You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 16 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. Stephen, winter on, is yes. finally upon us. It's snowing it's, in New York, huh? It's snowing, and where? what about where you are? Uh, we've got a little bit of sleet, a little bit of freezing rain, a little bit of rain. So everybody is freaking out appropriately <laughs> in, in suburban Washington, D.C. Schools We're going to be, be shut-ins closed. for the next... It doesn't matter. They barely have school in the next two weeks anyway. They have Monday's a holiday. It's MLK Day, right? Then they have a half day on Friday, and then they have the following month, and then they have Monday off. I don't know why. That's not that bad. It's 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 absurd. It adds to the fact that they had two snow days when it didn't snow. Right. Well, you'll have another two this week. (laughs) You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. Crazy. It's totally nuts. You know, I was thinking about our little podcast before. And when people look back 30 years from now, this will will serve as a time capsule for America's descent into madness. (laughs) Madness. Why? Because schools keep getting closed? No. I'm segueing into that. I'm I'm segueing. Other madness. Oh, this is a segue. I'm sorry. Segway. Oh, I should have held up the sign that says Segway. <laughs> I was going to, I thought we were going to segue to Quiet Riot and then to Madness, but go ahead. No. Come we, on, feel the noise. This is, we are chronicling America's descent into madness. Madness. The, the, let me guess, I think I know what you're referring to. You don't, but go I, on. I do. I think that when I sent you the Friday cover story of Politico magazine, you read it, and you <laughs> were like, what in the world is wrong with people? We are descending deeper into madness. Okay, no? that's part of, yeah, that's okay. part of it. Uh, we'll, we'll start we, with that. Okay, we'll start that's right. So, the, so, so you want to explain what the no, cover no, story you, you, No, go on. Go okay. on. Well, the cover story of Politico's, uh, the Friday cover story was about Michael Flynn's lawyer. Right. Her name is Sidney Powell, uh, you know, and I she used to be a federal prosecutor. So she was a normal person, right? She cut her teeth. Job. She cut her teeth um, during the 1980s drug wars, and she was the a federal prosecutor down along the border, right? In the bo- at the border, right. and someone who um, her former colleagues say was a well-respected, tough as nails federal prosecutor. Okay. And, and now, she now, is a lunatic. She, is, she seems certifiable. Um, yeah. She went out on her own, and she has, over the last couple of years, been courting the right-wing media. And um, it turns out, because of her courting the right-wing media, and she'd written this book about how prosecutors in the FBI lie, it's perfect for this moment. Right. Because this moment's all about the deep state. And so when she started getting retweeted and mentioned by Newt Gingrich, she caught the eye of supporters of Michael Flynn, including his family. His brother. 
His right? brother, exactly. Yeah. And so Michael Flynn, who also used to have a normal job, well, right? I mean, military intelligence is normal. But yes, well, he was someone who, in Afghanistan and Iraq, was seen as a creative and effective in leader of the intelligence effort against Al-Qaeda, uh, Al-Qaeda of Iraq and other extremist organizations. That led then, him to be... Named and as the as the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, right. which is this big intelligence agency that is part of the Department of Defense. It's part one of the, the deep, part of the deep state. Well, it was part of this, you know, the intelligence community in the United States with its seventeen intelligence agencies. A very important position. He was fired by Barack Obama, however. Um, yeah. I don't remember the circumstances on which he was fired. Upon which, but he was fired. But and Obama also recommended to Trump not to go near this guy right. because he was a nut job. Right. And President Trump hired him as his first national security That's, advisor. But it lasted twenty four days. Yeah, we all know how that went. Right. Exactly. And so he, after being indicted, he hired a Washington D.C. law firm called Burlington and Covington. Yeah. And they some sort of plea plea agreement where he, he pled guilty play. yeah, and then he, he cooperated with the with the Mueller investigation well uh, they yeah, to an extent well, they also to the point where they Mueller's people did not recommend no one recommended jail, jail time, time for him. right so but he must have cooperated time, but at the same time wasn't he also like lying to them cuz i seem to remember that he had been telling them some falsehoods that Came out later. I, I don't know. All I know, I don't remember because so yeah. much has happened. But That's true. He must have cooperated because there was a recommendation of no jail time. Right, no jail time. But around the same time that the prosecutors were recommending no jail time, he fired Burlington and Covington, or Covington right. and Burlington, whichever one it is, and he hired this woman, Sidney Powell, who um, her whole up. thing is, you know, is a scorched earth policy to convince the judge of prosecutorial overreach, evil, and which included deep state conspiracy theories. Right. So she is a right wing nut job who buys in to these conspiracy theories that like Hillary Clinton was running a pedophile ring in the basement well, of the pizza well, That's the whole thing behind this QAnon conspiracy. Yeah. Right. So is that the Democrats are a bunch of what is it? Pedophiles? They were, and 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 they love Islamists or I don't I'm not exactly sure. So but the, the pedophile thing is prominent in the QAnon conspiracy right. theory. So without getting too deep into the details of this particular story. Right. What and you know, we started talking about this before we got on the show today, because honestly, this is how we talk to each other, you know, whether the mic is on right, or not. Exactly. So the question that I had then and that I have now is how do right. seemingly normal people with, again, normative people with jobs that are, you know, relative, these are important jobs. <laughs> right. She was a federal prosecutor. He was the head prosecutor. of the Defense Intelligence Agency. He was a so, decorated military right, officer. Right. So how is it, how... How do you make do that these turn? These people, like, where's the descent into yeah. madness? Where does this come from? And why is it at this moment in time that so many people are susceptible to these conspiracy right. it's, theories? 
it's crazy because what it seems to me, I mean, the way I'd always thought about it when yeah. I think about Americans who are wrapped up in these conspiracy theories, yeah, it's like the guy who showed up at the pizza place in D.C. That's a focus right. of the QAnon conspiracy. Right. He's basically a, with a low gun. information with a gun to shoot yeah. it up. Yeah, um, a low information. Guy. He's a low information who gets his information from conspiracy theorists on the internet. Right. From right. YouTube, Alex Jones, Alex Jones from, YouTube, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Okay, so low information, not a lot of education. Okay. Okay, so that was my kind of stereotyp- stereotypical okay. person who's, who's okay, wrapped up fine. in here. Then we have Sidney Powell and Michael Flint and, then, and loads of others. But then I don't why? understand where, but, where it comes from. So again, even if you are like a low information, low education person, is it that a conspiracy theory is like easier to buy into because you think that there is somehow the deck is stacked against you and that right. there are like powerful people who are conspiring to keep well, you so down? Like the, what? The reason. Okay. So it's a, it's a really good question. I was once asked to write something about conspiracy theories in the Middle in East. In the Middle East. Right. right. Of course. And, so it's stereotype. Right. Right. And so I, I ended up not writing it. Um, because I don't think that Middle Easterners are particularly given to conspiracy theories. Um, I think there are lots of people, and I think the current moment we're living in would suggest that that's, in fact, the case. What it seems yeah. to me, however, but I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And what it seemed to me was that you have in the Middle East, you have governments that are beyond accountable. accountable. Right. People right. have no control over their lives. The Governments act uh, with whim, you know. Right, and so, so and that they, they operate, and they operate in secret, in total, often. in total secrecy. Yeah. These are opaque yeah. governments, so that yeah. people trying to make sense of the world and sense of their condition and the situation that they're in are apt to believe stories that are mm. not necessarily grounded in all of the truth. I mean, all conspiracy theories have some kernel, right? So. Then take your low information, not well-educated American yeah. from a red state. Or and, even a blue state. Or I'm I mean, just saying. I'm just kind of yeah. thinking of the stereotypes here. Yeah. And it's, and it's um, and like, um, again, stereotypes. White, yeah. male, middle-aged, like the guy yeah. who came to shoot up the pizza place in, in D.C., yeah. um, who are struggling with their circumstances right now. Okay. now and so – and that the government – it, they've been told that the government is bad, that regulation is bad, and that's one of the reasons why they're out of a job or they're not or they're in a job and they don't make yeah. as much as they should, yeah. and that there's giveaways, there's Obama phones, yeah. welfare queens, et cetera, et cetera. And so because of those things, those inputs, yeah. and they're they're seeking for some control over an explanation for why they find themselves in the circumstances that they're in. White males are supposed to be in charge, but they don't feel like they are. That seems to me, it seems to me that's a common thing. People who feel as if they've lost control of their lives, their governments are from their perspective, opaque and, and act, uh, in ways that, um, they believe harm them with no accountability. And they're trying to make sense of, of the world and and conspiracy theories help them make sense of it. I think that's a good point. I think it's a good definition. I'm actually interested in, in you mentioned something I think 
it may be the root, or not the root, but takes us back a few decades that can help explain this moment, which is the welfare queen myth. Right, right. right. That government I mean, is is that there's somehow there are people who are bilking the government out of your money. Right. They're taking money from you, and they're financing this extravagant lifestyle. Right. And of course, there's race built into the welfare queen myth. Right. Because who was the original welfare queen? It was a black, black woman. Women. Right. Right. So. And then there's and then there's you know there's Hollywood portrayal of the way in which government works. Right. If you you know watch movies about the CIA, you know where the CIA figures prominently in it, not necessarily in a heroic manner. Or the FBI or evil government bureaucrats out for themselves. I mean, right. these are all all of these things combined, it seems to me, in the kind of wide range of conspiracy theories that we're living with right now, whether it's right. QAnon or, or others. So really but they all come together and they've all they've all kind of and and Trump has and President Trump has become this kind of vector for them because he sees because he the political benefit in, in it. He well no, he sees the political well, benefit in them. I feel like he believes in them too though, to a certain extent. Um, I think I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I think he's a. I think he's an extraordinarily shrewd about these things and sees when he can use them. Sure, for but his I think that there's benefit. a part. But there's a part of him that actually believes this to be true, also. So, so really, when we're thinking about this, it's people whose circumstances are bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Who are. At the same time, again, they're susceptible to these conspiracy theories mm-hmm. because these they, are the same. But these are the same people who are susceptible to scapegoating. Sure. Right. So these things go hand in glove, really. So on the one hand, you think this Mexican is in this country illegally and he's here to take my job. Right. And That's that right. fits in perfectly with this conspiracy theory that there are forces that are invisible to us that are harming us. It would be very interesting to see if there's any kind of correlation with the, you know, so people, as we know, people who live in border towns and border counties are not uh, militant anti-immigrant activists. It's the people in Iowa or Minnesota, you know, places where they, they don't see, where they don't see immigrants. Right. Sure. Are those people where they don't see – is is there a correlation between those views and a proclivity to believe in conspiracy theories or are there people who have everyday kind of interaction with immigrants and therefore don't scapegoat them and who are also uh, believing sus- conspiracies or are they not, not susceptible? Uh, susceptible to conspiracy yeah. theories? I, it's kind of interesting. I Again, my stereotype is someone who lives – in a, a, a rural, predominantly white state that doesn't have a lot of contact with people who are not like them. And right. there's no local paper any longer. Um, they, are, they get their news from a local news channel that is broadcast from 100 miles away that's owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they have uh, a dial-up uh, internet access in which they you know, uh, struggle to watch YouTube. They get their news from YouTube or wherever, or they don't, or they don't get their news from anywhere, and they hear bits and pieces of this kind of right. stuff, but and, they and, and what they get from their neighbor about the QAnon thing, and so on and so forth. Right, but they instinctively dislike coastal elites like you and me, right? Uh, and they instinctively dislike uh, immigrants and people who are not like them, or don't look like right. them, or don't worship like them, right? 
So, but still, yeah. again, you know, I've come across very sophisticated people from. But go back to the Middle East. Very sophisticated people from the Middle East who are absolutely convinced. And these are not people who are, you know, these are worldly people, people who right. travel and whatever, who um, are convinced that um, ISIS is a creation of the United States and the Israelis. These are not low information, low right. educate, you know. So I, well, it's I mean, a mystery to me how people go down the rabbit hole. How did Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn go down the path? It I is, don't know. It is a perfectly... It, it is perfectly fine, legitimate to have conservative views about the world. How sure. do you move from that to down the rabbit hole? Just like how it is that you have – it's perfectly legitimate to be left of center or left or liberal or whatever. And then you go down the rabbit hole of left-wing conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Yeah, although I feel like left-wing conspiracy theories don't hold people in the same well, thrall I, I, at, I this, at this moment. That, at this moment, uh, at this moment, right, because we're in this kind of wave of, you know... Of right-wing lunacy, I'm right. sorry to say. Right, there, well, there's, there's something outside the QAnon, you know, um, there's the, all branches of the, of the Virginia, of Virginia's government are now controlled by Democrats, governor, the right. lower house, and the upper house, yeah. and they are passing gun control measures, Yeah. and... There was a legislation that was proposed by a member of, the, I believe, the lower house about workplace rules and strikes and unions. And uh-huh. it was something. And so what it turned into, the right wing media and right wing conspiracy theory media turned it into, it was an effort to punish police officers who refused to enforce gun control laws. That guy, the guy who proposed this, and had nothing whatsoever to do with that. Nothing whatsoever to do with gun control laws, but it was turned into because the the priority of many of the newly elected members of the Virginia House of Delegates and Senate, whatever it's called, um, is to do some modest gun control measures. Sure. Uh, Like you're limited to buying one gun a month. And so this turned into... Yes, just yes. And can you be a horror of horrors? So this legislation had to do with workplace rules and unions and yeah. so on and so forth, and it turned into this whole thing. He's in hiding. He's in hiding. And yeah. all of these gun rights activists, and I yeah. should say they're a little bit more than activists, are descending on Richmond, Virginia right. on Monday, and they've had to declare a state of emergency because they fear it's going to be violent. It's off the wall. That's crazy. Right. And so this one, this conspiracy about uh, police officers and sheriffs will be will be fired or jailed if yeah. they don't enforce – I mean, first of all, but again, this is the law. And what they were saying before they lost the, the – the, the, before they lost the legislature was, you know, one side won. Get over it. Right. Well, now they can't mm-hmm. get over that. But again, it's, you appeal – but. It, they, like you said, like the kernel of truth, right? right? But there's not even a kernel of truth here. But if you can appeal to the people who are second right absolutists by somehow linking this to our law enforcement, right. then you're going to get more support on that side. Because right. now all of a sudden, it's not about just your freedom to own a gun. It's about freedom of the police to protect us. Right. And if you're against that, 
And well, I mean, but the other thing is, no, a lot of these gun rights activists are opposed to the police. They think that they, they need the gun because the gun will protect them from the uh, government, from which is the, another con- part of this conspiracy theory. Right. Is that I, the yeah. government is going to come and take their guns away. Therefore, they need guns to defend themselves and defend their Second Amendment rights. Right. Well. What's interesting, what's, what's super interesting to me is that all of these people, they're all, it's all about the, con- the Constitution, the Constitution. But the only part of the Constitution they actually care about is the Second Amendment. Right. Which they don't actually talking, read correctly. I was talking about this the other day. Like, how come the people who are, you know, have a, I'm sorry to use a, an inelegant phrase, but how come the people who are, have hard-ons for the Second Amendment, like, why aren't they that jazzed up about the First Amendment? Right. Or about any of the other parts of the Constitution. Like, right. They seem to be w- more willing to throw out the First Amendment in right. order to protect somehow every other right that they think that they are losing. It's, it's, it's really amazing how it's really radicalized our political arena, this question of the second I mean, you know, and it's directly, it's a, directly connected to the NRA and their allies in the Republican Party who have purposefully radicalized the political arena for votes. And, you know, if there's violence in Virginia on t- over this conspiracy theory that the government is coming to take their guns away rather than, you know, sensible gun safety laws, um, it's, you know, it's tragic, sad, come back on them. I don't know. But it seems to me that there is this this radical, it's the entire political spectrum has become radicalized to the point where, you know, violence seems to me like it's possible. What do you mean? It's already happened. Well, yeah. Well, I I was just, Lauren and I were having a conversation. We, as you know, last weekend, we went um, to one of the local hills to uh, volunteer for the Special Olympics of Maryland. The, The Special Olympics Winter Games are at the end of February, and the athletes have two uh, two days of training before before then, and we went to the first training day and, and volunteered. It was a lot of fun. It was really uplifting and feel great. And you drive through kind of rural counties of Western Maryland and Pennsylvania to get to the place where they're they're holding the the Winter Games. And we drove past this house that was you know festooned with Trump Pence stuff, yeah. and you know like that's fine. Whatever First Amendment rights, people have political views that they want. Right. I want, I wondered out loud to Lauren that if the neighbor had put up flags like the rainbow flag and Black uh-huh. Lives Matter and had right. Hillary Clinton signs and, you know, whatever, whatever you want to associate with the left and the center left, right. what would have happened? What would, would have be, happened? Well, there would be a gunfight. <laughs> it strikes me. It strikes me that, you know, most people, you know, respect other people's opinions, but there's kind of, again, in this radicalized political environment yeah um there is people are, are, are and particularly people who are supporters of the president are quick i'm sorry to say to um take great offense yeah because and part of it is a conspiracy theory look you remember those t-shirts i'd rather be in russia than a democrat right i'd rather be russian than, than a democrat than a yeah. democrat yeah these are these are born. These are things that are born in conspiracy. Like what Democrats are going to do? They're going to create a a, a socialized economy, take your guns away, prevent you from teaching your children what you'd like to teach your children, right. prevent you from going to church. I mean, all of these. None, of course, are, and and then abuse your children in the process. 
of course, none of these things are true. They're all basically, but that's, that's the situation that we find ourselves yeah. in. Yeah, and then it seeps into things that, you know, this whole thing about school lunch. You remember, you know, yesterday they right. they, they, they announced they were going to roll back a lot of the Obama uh, right. school lunch More pizza and potatoes. Now, right. if, we, and if it was good pizza, I'm not sure I could argue with no, it. There was no, no good pizza was ever served in yeah, a school. Yeah, I know. But if it was, I'd be like, ah, well, you know. You know what? They got I, a point. They got a point. You know, I, I have to say probably not so much. <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, what, why are people against this other than the fact that Michelle Obama right. is a Michelle right. Obama of initiative? Course. Of course. They talk about the nanny state. Right. We're trying to tell people what they should right. and shouldn't be eating. No. We are trying to keep our children healthy and fed healthy food. Now, what are the, what are, you know, the main rationales for opposing the old or for rolling this back? Why don't they like the Obama initiative? Again, other than the fact that it was an Obama initiative. They claim that there is more food waste, and they talk right. about the increased costs associated with but this. But actually, I, I heard that that's actually not true, that of there isn't more such. food waste. Of course it's not true. Food waste uh, was around a long time before this. Right. And but, then, you know, think about the longer come, term, too, is that if you if, if kids are eating healthier... There's a broader, broader benefit obviously, to society is that they get obviously. into the habit of eating healthier foods, so we don't have the crises of obesity and, all, obesity, of the, and right. all of the diseases that are associated How, with the obesity, which are however, many that we all pay for. However, that argument is too subtle to present to the average person. Well, I think it's it's, it's harder it's, to quantify. Right. But what is easier to quantify for these people is. There is an additional cost. Now, what occurred to me as I'm reading about this is whenever we talk about new weapon systems or budgets for the military, <laughs> we never go into, well, there's an increased cost for this, so we should probably, you know, think about dialing it down a bit. That never enters into the discussion when it comes to the military. Right. Because, because if, God forbid, right. you brought that up, why do you hate America? But to fight for the health of our children, right. I'm sorry, we need to think about, we need to give children more choices. And if they want to have cookies at lunch, then who are we, the nanny state, to take away cookies? Or well, if I'm going to make... I mean, if they're no, good chocolate chip cookies, no, no, again, I got a hard no. time arguing with that. You know what? I, I, no? Uh, no. You know what? In New York City, <laughs> in New York yeah. City, where the school lunch programs and the breakfast programs right. are they, really... They serve Thousands upon cities, thousands of kids, right. In many cities, it's yes. not just that they serve thousands of kids. In a lot of situations, it's the only healthy meal that these kids right. get during the day. I agree. I'm just messing and around on the cookie. No, thing. I obviously, I mean, look, right. we all love cookies. Like, you know, we're not right. anti-cookie on the Amen Corner. Right. We're the Amen Corner is pro-cookie. 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 Yeah. All the way. Pro-pizza, pro-cookie. Absolutely. Especially in New York City. But... <laughs> We all know that kids should not be eating right. pizza and cookies, cookies every day in the school cafeteria every day. Right. And now hamburgers are going to be treated as snacks that are appropriate for kids to be eating in school. <laughs> and to me, that's just right. insane. It's well, insane. It, it, what it does is it, it's it is insane. But I would say that someone on the other side, and not even you know a QAnon conspiracy theorist, would right. be look. I know what's best for my child. 
And if those people in the in the cities don't yeah. want their children eating pizza and potatoes and cookies yeah. and burgers, tell them when they go to school that they have to eat only the healthy options. And okay. I'm going to tell my child what my what I prefer my child to eat. That's and, it. And, of course, and, it doesn't really work out that way, especially if you're and, phasing out the more healthy food. Look, but that's their argument. That anybody, is their argument. Anybody who has children or was a child, him or herself, right. will know that that doesn't work. It doesn't right. work. Because when you, as a kid, are in the school cafeteria and you are presented with two options, right. a bag of Doritos or an apple, <laughs> bag of Doritos. you are not choosing that apple no matter what your parents told you to do. Can we just discuss the fact that Doritos are gross? No. Because just, we like, I'm uh, from Doritos. I'm come not, on, come on. What? What? I've grown out of them. Oh my god! I was on the train and I I went to the cafe car to get a bottle of water and a guy was getting Doritos and I was like, really, dude? You could get like peanut M and M's. You could get pretzels. Why do you want yeah. the Doritos? Doritos are freaking good, man. <laughs> oh, man. They're good, but they don't belong in school. Yeah, you're exactly right. And sugary drinks don't belong in school. So when and it's not. And it's not about, well, my kid is going to make the right choice. Because guess what? Your kid is not going to make so the when right you choice. Bought, when you bought, did you, did you buy lunch when you went to school? I went to Jewish day school. There was no lunch in the school. Oh, there was no lunch in school? So no. I, I got to buy lunch when I was in elementary school on Fridays because it was pizza day. Yeah. Otherwise, I brought lunch. Yeah. And I got, I got two, what looked like, if I remember, were like Elio's pizzas. Okay. And a but milk. But that's because, Okay. That's because your mom packed your lunch for you. Peanut butter she, and jelly. Right. And right. you know what? I had a home lunch every day. Right. It's, it's, it's no doubt it's healthier to, to, to pack lunch. But some, as you point out, some families don't. But again, back to the point of this whole thing is that yeah. there is a conspiracy that the government is, is out to get you, is ripping you off, is doing the, always doing the wrong thing. And there's... And that is the kernel of that is right. a, is a, cons- exactly. is a conspiracy. Theory, but right. you know who's pushing to you know roll back these Obama era regulations on school lunch? The food industry. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. So again, we need to think—not we, but people need to think about whose agenda are you really right. is really behind you know what you think you're fighting for well i Who's remember pushing you I in remember, that direction i remember when they were when there were the enormous debates about obamacare um, and i was at a meeting um, and i was speaking at something and I, where i was speaking I, it was the only real international component of the meeting it was a relatively small meeting and then there was a presentation uh, by a guy who had been working on developing the affordable care act and he talked about you know what they were doing to kind of encourage people to eat more that a big part of the obama administration's goals to reduce healthcare health yeah. costs was to get people to eat you know, more healthier, healthier, food. healthier yeah. food. And so, and so, and there was so, and it, something came up about taxing soft drinks. Yeah. And there was a representative from the, you know, association of the manufacturers of soft, of, you know, sugary sodas right. who was there, whatever that association is called. And the, it, it became a very, very heated discussion. Sure. 
over because this. That's, stuff that's like that. his livelihood. Right. Exactly. And that, you know, but it was, but his argument wasn't, you want to put me out of a job. His argument was Americans should have the freedom to decide right. what it is that they want to drink. And so, but again, you know, in a broad abstract, Americans should be allowed to do whatever they want. But in places like where there are food deserts and there's a bodega and the bodega yeah. doesn't really have anything other than sweet, so you know, sugary that's, drinks. That's actually not even a food desert. That is what's known as a food swamp. Because instead, mm, right. because it's not just that there's no food. It's the not that there's no options, food, that there's, but there's just bad food. The only options are bad food. And right. I'm sure I told you this story that a few years ago when we were in South Dakota and we were on the Pine Ridge uh, Reservation. Right. When we pulled in to the convenience store and gas station, I have yeah. never seen more choices of soda and snack right. foods in my life. I don't think that th- I think that that's a I think that's a, in a lot of places in America. I think yeah. that's whether that's in, you know, uh East Brooklyn or whatever. It's in South it's Dakota. It's in rural true. Vermont. But, um, right. You know, but this is, again. Yes, I understand the concept that people have free will and should be allowed to choose what they want to eat. However, in the public schools, right, we have an obligation to take care of our children. Right. And if you're going to call me a socialist for believing that, then I'm guilty as charged. Socialist. Right? Um, if, no, if, I think if, it, I, if I hate freedom right. so much that I want to protect our kids and that's the nanny state and the overreach, so be it. To me, to me the most compelling argument and the thing that, that it seems to me would attract people who are worried about the deficits and government spending is that over time, if you serve healthier foods to children and get them in the habits of eating healthier foods, as a society, we end up paying significantly less for healthcare. And don't anybody think for a second that the healthcare that you're paying for yourself is just for yourself and the taxes are just, it's covering all of society. This so that's what would stre- and that's what I don't understand is what I don't understand is the people who fight like hell over these kinds of things, a, a, a soda tax, yeah. other types of, of taxes that would lead to a healthier and more productive society are I things would, that ostensibly that they want I would so because it would lower healthcare costs. It would, people enraged that healthcare costs are going to take up some huge amount of GDP over you know, the next 10 or 20 years should be supportive of all of these initiatives. I would argue that these policies are pro-life. Right. These are pro-life policies, right? Yeah. And if you're pro-life before, before babies are born, then you need to be pro-life. Everybody needs to be pro-life once babies are born. Right. Everybody. Right. And that means we do not enact laws that put our children's health in jeopardy. Or I'm not. T- I'm talking about our children, children that adults, are alive. Everybody. Right. Yep. And if that means that we're in a nanny state, then wah wah. I just. I, I think nanny state. That's the thing. That using that language is that's buying into. Is buying into. That's how they frame the debate. I understand, but what I would say is, is that, and there needs to be some cute catch-all to it. Is that what we're actually doing is 
providing for an environment where we have a healthier, more productive society where we don't have to pay as much because we don't have as many obese and, and unhealthy people. I don't know. I don't know. I just, again, going back to what we started talking about, it strikes me that many of this stuff, things like phrases like the, na- the nanny state are rooted in conspiracies. Well, phrases like the nanny state are rooted in fear of socialism. Right? Which is a conspiracy like from, theory. From the cradle to the grave. Which is a conspiracy. Right? I don't think, I mean, does anybody really believe that we're going to have some sort of like Soviet style socialism here in the United That's, States? You're asking that rhetorically, and I think the answer to that is yes, there are fucking crazy people out there who believe that. Well, these are the low information, not well-educated people. I hate to say this. Yeah. I hate to say this. Yeah. You think it's I more s- than that? I do. I saw a meme that somebody posted. I'm yeah. not saying on what site. I don't want to identify anybody. <laughs> Seriously. Facebook, yeah. Since you're, no- I know you're not on Twitter... Uh, true. Okay. Uh, could be, it. Could be Instagram. Could be Instagram. If you were on Instagram, I'd know it. Go. I'm on Instagram. I know, but you don't do it. You're not on it a lot. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, or maybe again, I'm not on Instagram. All right, go again, ahead. there's a meme that somebody put up there that basically, and this is not a low information person. This is okay. somebody who's educated. Basically... Um, taking some of Bernie Sanders' policies and essentially uh, equating it with um, with communist Cuba, which is crazy. Bernie Sanders' lodestar is <laughs> is Denmark, not Cuba. And Denmark but again, is, a, but if you know, bel- is a pretty good place. But I, I'm I don't think I, I think it's hard to translate what's been successful in a country of six million people. To a country of, you know, almost okay. 400 million people. Right, sure, which is why right. we're not Scandinavia. Right. But, but I think that there are people out there who feel like there's a slippery slope. Uh-huh. And as soon as you start down that path, right. you end up with Solon's gulags. Like, it's not that far. <laughs> like, that's, you know, in, within three years, we're all in the gulag somewhere. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. I need a cookie. I need a chocolate chip cookie. I think After that, that is that is the message for the week. <laughs> Give me a cookie, but not in school. Seriously, I'm like I'm like a five year old on a rainy day. If you said to me what what three foods you would want if you you only had three foods for the rest of your life, I'd say chocolate chip cookies, pizza, and bagels. Ooh, that's interesting. Pizza would not be on my list. Yep. Yeah. Not a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Really? Doritos, maybe. Yeah. Not Doritos. Doritos. <laughs> oh, disgusting. Fritos, I think. Ah, uh, worse. No way. Do you I'm like crazy. Cheetos? I love all that stuff. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you know, you have to eat Cheetos though. With Didn't you just talk so for you know, forty minutes about healthy people? And you're like, oh okay, yeah, I, I need Cheetos. I, uh, listen. But you are I'm a fully say- formed adult. I'm not saying that. It's health food. I'm now, not suggesting that I feed it to my children on a daily now, basis. Now I know I'm, what to get you to, to celebrate the, the, the opening of your new film. Where, what are you going to get me? I'm going to get you a big old thing of Cheetos with a bow on it to help you celebrate. With chopsticks so I can eat them <laughs> without getting the orange stuff on my fingers. Hey, you want to tell people about the film? Come on. Yeah, my It's new opening film. on Thursday. Go. Thursday, January 23rd at 1 p.m. and at 6.30 p.m. It's called They Ain't Ready For Me. It's about 
uh, a woman named Tamar Manasseh, who is a gun activist, uh, anti-gun violence activist in Chicago. Um, it's opening at the New York Jewish Film Festival. It's the world premiere. I'm incredibly excited. I'll be my, there, my along boss, with Julie Cook and, and Nana, Iris Cook. We're excited. My boy, my boy Stephen will be there with his mother and sister. Yeah, and baby. A lot of my friends. And a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> the bow on it. We're going to take a picture by on the red carpet with me, Stephen, and a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> Can Tamar be in that photo? Yeah, but she'll think we're ridiculous. And she'll be be right. She'll be right. She'll say something like, no, Brad. Because that's what she always says. She's like, no, Brad. I I can't say that. She's like, no, Brad. Anyway. Everybody should go see the the film. Yeah. All right. I'll see you there. See you there. Out of here. Bye.